Hi there, and welcome to another edition of the 1% Better Podcast with your host, Rob O'Donoghue. Hello there, welcome to 1% Better, the podcast where I try to help you improve incrementally 1% per episode as the ultimate aim and we're 104 of those in this is 105 so hopefully over that journey you've improved in one facet of your life professionally personally or in multiple areas and that would be good it'd be great to know that that is happening certainly for me i've improved and that's important but the ultimate goal is to help you guys improve as well so let me know if we're hitting the nail on the head in some of these areas Uh, we released an episode we aka me released an episode last tuesday focusing on the art of comedy the process that you go through to put comedy shows together and the fear and concerns and nervousness and excitement that is involved in doing stand-up comedy and it was with two ladies emma pine and michelle thorne thanks ladies for helping promote the show uh, i'd recommend you check it out the tuesday show is a little bit different in that i don't normally get the chance to put out a second show every week i have goals to continue to do that and over the next few weeks i think i'll be able to because i'll be doing some live recording putting it out straight away and have another number of shows edited that are in the queue so the goal is to, to kind of ramp it up to two a week for the next while but it won't happen all the time maybe get to a six a month sort of schedule we'll see okay so one other thing i just wanted to call out something i have never done before on on the intro i know i talk about patreon as a a location where you can actually fund the show or or give some funding to help me grow and ramp it up and maybe get to that two or three episodes a week but this one is another funding ask but totally different and way more important makes the whole patreon idea insignificant basically uh, on i think it was wednesday morning when i noticed that um a friend of mine had put a post on instagram His name is vinnie crossan and i did check with him before i said i'd put this out so he's, he's okay with me doing it his daughter who is 21 months old Maisie, has uh, unbeknownst to me um and vinnie's a, a friend and a long time listener to the show but um after only four and a half months Maisie had been diagnosed with a rare brain tumor and i was not aware of this at all but she had an operation and was successful but it now transpires that she needs a lot of therapy to recover and Vinny uh, has a GoFundMe set up to raise some funds that are needed to get that therapy in the UK. It's something that would be quite intensive for a number of, I think, four weeks. And as a, a new dad, I guess, and I do that with quotation marks, I don't know, air quotes, but it's something that really hit home when I saw this the other morning and I definitely just said I wanted to try and do something about it, share it out with those that listen to the show. They might, some folks might know Vinny uh, and, and may not. I'm just going to put a link on the show notes uh, or just go to GoFundMe, Maisie, M-A-I-S-I-E hyphen needs hyphen a hyphen helping hyphen hand and you'll find it there and uh, donate if you can. Absolutely would be welcome help them out help them reach the 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 amount they're looking for and take it from there so best of luck Maisie and Vinny and 
Deirdre. Hopefully it all works out. I'm sure it will. So, on to this week's episode. It is with a gentleman called Ian Farrar, and I talked with Ian a couple of months back. He is a podcaster. He is an entrepreneur. Uh, He focuses on sales, marketing, digital business. He's a coach and a very interesting character. He and I connected last year around the time of International Podcast Day. Both of us presented on that and we stayed in touch and we got chatting and we said it'd be great to do a podcast, an interview. He's from the UK, he's from the Sunderland area and we talk about his entrepreneurial journey, how he took the leap out from the corporate world, uh, hitting burnout, dealing with stress, overcoming that. His life changed as a result. He's very interested and active in volunteering. We dive into coaching and what that is really all about. We also talk about learnings from the entrepreneurial journey he's been on and how important cash flow is. That seems to be a topic that comes up a lot when I talk to folks going out on their own, something to be very aware of. For more details of this episode, go to the show notes. That would be good. And as always, follow the show, subscribe, and let me know if you're enjoying these. And hopefully next week will be another jewel episode all going well. So take it away, Ian. And folks, thanks for checking it out and enjoy. Good luck. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of the 1% Better Podcast. And I'm delighted to introduce Ian Farrer to the podcast to the show Ian welcome thanks for taking the time out to have a chat uh thanks for um inviting me along to your amazing show Rob oh, no no bother at all um so offline we were having a good conversation about the world of podcasting so we're definitely going to dive into some of that today to try and maybe extract some learnings that we've both got from it uh, certainly from from your world I think you have over 100 15 or so episodes done from your own show industry angel which uh, i'm looking forward to hearing about you're also an entrepreneur and you have a number of different roles uh, it's something i I definitely want to dig into were you always planning to be an entrepreneur (laughs) you've just gone straight in with that one dived in (laughs) do you know is it's really funny when you say um a number of different roles because quite often people say so ian what do you do and i'm just like uh um well uh, <laughs> you get, I get stuck. Yeah. I don't really have the elevator pitch, you know. But um, in terms of entrepreneurship, I guess it was it was never something I, I, I deliberately wanted to do. I just become a bit disillusioned with the corporate world, and and then thought, well, you know what it is? I'm just going to start it myself. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Kind of sensed that from reading through your bio and doing a bit of research on it. Not, not the disillusion part, but it looked like through your career, you've you know you're engineer and you had a number of different roles. Was there a point at where you said? As you said, you got disillusioned, that jumping out point. What 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 brought it to a head? Can you maybe talk to me a bit about that? Oh, Rob, honestly, if you if you got all day. Pretty much. This is gonna... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, can, I can edit it. We get people to listen on 2x speed if they want. <laughs> I talk pretty fast anyway. And Come actually, my, my accent as well might be difficult. I had a, um, I'll just digress a little bit before I answer. I had a, um iTunes review yesterday, I oh. think it was. And somebody said, I don't like Ian's podcast. I don't like his accent. God. Did they, did they say where, where they were from? Well, his, uh, I say his, um, the username was Londoner83. <laughs> Giving there it away go. there, huh? Yeah, you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I like right. it. I, I like it from, from Ireland. It's kind of a, it's a nice accent. We can, we can uh, agree upon that for sure. 
well. I think we've got trusted accents from a customer service point of view. They often That's use it. the Irish or the Geordie accent, don't they? They do that in Scotland, I think, as well. There's statistics yeah. to say that they're, when, when somebody rings up to complain that they hear those accents, they're a bit more calmed straight away. <laughs> oh well that's good I yeah. hope, well I hope everyone's feeling calm hopefully now. not too calm they haven't fall asleep well, or anything yeah. they won't be calm in a moment when I tell you why I, why I became disillusioned because I, I, I burnt out Rob you've just got to google my name and burn out and you'll see a lot there I really speak openly about this I worked in sales for, for a good 10 years and really really pushed the envelope too much um, I collapsed I was hospitalised I was on beta blockers I've had chest x-rays, ultrasound scans, cameras down the throats, perfectly fine, just stressed, just pushing too hard. And I speak a lot about culture now as well because of this, because I think as, as business leaders, we should be aware of our staff and how much they do push and not let them do that. I mean, we're constantly, we're constantly connected. We've got our phones sitting in our desks on silent, no doubt, and we're still getting notifications coming through. As business leaders, we should be avoiding our staff doing that because burnout is a terrible thing. And I was only in my 30s. Mm. Yeah, no, it sounds familiar. I can, I'm can. i nodding here. You can't see me anymore. But uh, uh, something similar comes to, to mind from, from my perspective. You mentioned leaders that are pushing very hard and, and putting that pressure on. What approaches would you use or I suppose inspire to team members to, to be able to, to deal with that type of leader and how they could push back on on that or how they could manage that? Yeah, it's a really good question. From from my side as a leader, it's all about support. And, you know, in sales and a lot of other careers, you've got targets, you've got key performance indicators, you, you might be incentivized with bonuses and things like that. And to be honest, you can come quite addicted to it. I mean, I know I was. I, I was kind of thinking, right, if I hit this target, I'm going to go on holiday. I'm going to get a new car. I'm going to get a conservatory. And, uh, you know, it's crazy. Uh, and as leaders, we really need to support our staff and our sales teams and have that regular communication going forward. And it's nice to have that little bit of incentivization. It's nice to have a bit gamification between employees and, and friends. But we really need that support. Paul, we really, we really need to know the why. You know, we'll do a little bit Simon Sinek here. You know, the golden circle. Mm -hmm. So the how, the what, but the, the why is so key. And I think sometimes we lose our why when it comes when it comes to to business. We just end up going through the motions and getting on that hamster wheel. So we really need to step back a little bit and remember why we took this job, why we're in this job, and and, and what it means to us from a career. Mm. Yeah, I'm again nodding because when I read that book, uh, probably about four years ago around Christmas time, it was around the time when I was beginning my own, I suppose, turning points in, in what I was doing, where I wanted to go and figuring out what my why was. So so what, what is your why? When you can figure that out yourself, how, how can you define it? You know, it's a, it's a funny one, I'm, and I'm, I'm going to bend that question a little bit because when people say, you know, you seem really successful and... and, and you we always hear, like, well, what does success mean to you? Mm -hmm. You know, is it success that I've got a nice car on the drive? Uh, I haven't, by the way. I got rid of that. I fell out of love. I fell out of love with money and cars. But you know, what does success mean to you? Well, for me, it's not doing the nine to five. I can't do the nine to five anymore. I've kind of found that that's not for me. It's being able to take the kids to school. It's being able to do training when I want. You know, physical training. And it's being able to do things like this with you, Rob. You know, having fun, doing some podcasts, creating some content. That's what success looks like to me, and, and, and that's my why. 
that I don't want to be that nine to five corporate person that I, that I once was. No, I, I hear you. Um, <clears throat> so just again, I think we got connected a couple of times over the last few years. You uh, you talked at International Podcast Day last year uh, as well. Um, I think yours went smoother than mine in that your internet didn't break halfway through it, uh, whereas mine <laughs> did. What did you talk about on that presentation? Maybe give us a, an overview of what your, your talk was there. <laughs> I can't even remember. No, it's, uh, I, I do remember yours, though, Rob, because you handle it really well. You're doing yourself a disservice because you, uh, under pressure, you, you handle that really well. It was good. Um, International Podcast Day was amazing. You know, it, it's it, it's a great initiative. Obviously, um, I don't know, many listeners might not know about it, but basically we represent in our countries, Rob. So it was back-to-back, various countries around the world for over, over 24 hours. I can't remember what yeah, it was now. it was 30 hours or so, yeah. Was it? Wow, yeah, mm. yeah, cool. And there was lots of different talks there. And I think mine was around podcasting my journey and, and, and my career, really. I just kind of shared some of the stuff that, I, that I've been through and and what podcasting's done for me, you know, like obviously you and I met, if you like, um, across the waves about podcasting. We've had the opportunity to speak to people on International Podcast Day. I was talking about some of the things that I've done. I've, I've wrote a chapter in a book on podcasting and the author I never met. I just met him through Skype and through podcasting. So it was about the community really and about creating some really killer content and differentiating yourself from the norm really hmm. yeah no it was uh it was a good a good talk and and well well done on it one of the things that strikes me as we talked about the different roles that that you have um which one do you enjoy most doing currently ah you had to ask that one didn't you because my customers my customers are listening my clients will be like going, whoa 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 you told me i was the most important thing under the sun well, maybe maybe even professionally and personally, you could split it out. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what it is. I, I've, I've, I've lost it lately. I've just got absolutely addicted to volunteering. I mm. don't know if you've seen seen some of the stuff I've been up to. Yeah. But So I'm writing a book on 101 ways to volunteer. And basically what I'm doing is just giving my time, volunteering at loads of really diverse stuff, and just seeing what the impact is and what I'm t- it's going to be like a coffee style, coffee table style book where you can pick it up and you can just flick to, I don't know, voluntary number 37 mm-hmm. and and just read about, it's a little, little kind of blog style, if you like, a little diary. So, yeah. you know, what the volunteering was like, what the impact was, what did I learn, who did I meet? And even in the short space I've been doing it, it's just been absolutely amazing. You know, I've just learned so much, met some fantastic people, really opened my eyes and I cannot wait to hit the 101. I think I've given myself a little bit of a, a tough target, but you know, if it was 10 or 20, then everyone would do it. It would be boring, wouldn't it? So, mm. but yes, the the volunteering thing is really just, oh, I just love it. I just love it. Mm. Oh, was that something you were always passionate about doing? Maybe when you look back on the point where you were at breaking point and burnout, probably wasn't room in your world for, for that at that time. Uh, that's a good question. Um, I remember about ten years ago, I went on a course, and it was it was for it was for leaders. Mm-hmm. And um, what I what I realised was that I needed to become more of an experienced leader, and quite quickly. So I decided I'd, I'd try to look for some pro bono board positions. So I I joined my local housing association as a as a as a director of that company, 
I joined my son's um, school, uh, so a, a parent governor on his on his board of governors at the school, just to try to get that experience, you know, getting used to having board packs and targets and, and sitting around the board table and discussing initiatives. And it was great. I mean, if any listeners are there and, and, and they're thinking about something similar, uh, go for it. You, you do. There's so many positives. You know, you're giving something back, um, but you're also learning yourself. And I think that's where it kind of started from this. It just got something that I've always done for the last 10 years is I've always had pro bono positions. Yeah, no, again, I would agree. I do something similar for for the Project Management Institute. I know it's maybe not as, as, you know, socially responsible. It's more international, but it's more to the profession. But being part of that opens up so many other opportunities so many learnings you're kind of learning in a safer environment as well um where where you mightn't get as much of a repercussions if if you make mistakes which i I think is um you know is certainly useful we talked about volunteering and and the the passion for for that what are, are the other kind of values that you would have that you feel make up your i suppose your identity make up you yeah, um, you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about parents if I can on this one, Rob. Um, it's interesting. So my my father worked in the shipyards for decades, and now, interestingly enough, he taught me so much about the world of business. You know, and people say like, "How's that?" And I think what he taught me was just values. You know, um, I remember you always said this one thing, and I've caught this a number of times throughout my career. You've got to be able to look at yourself in the mirror. And I always come back to that. So in terms of values, could you actually do that? Could you could you make a decision? Could you um, sign a deal? Could you sell something to somebody and then look at yourself in the mirror? So it's all about having integrity, being humble, having honour. And I've really got my parents to thank thank me for that. Mm. Yeah, they do say that your, your, your core set of values are ingrained in you from a, a very young age, maybe up to 12 or something like that. Um, but we probably don't realize what they are until till later in, in life, I suppose. Um, so that's kind of cool to, to hear that. When you became the entrepreneur, and how many years are you kind of out on your own doing that now? This will be five years now. Okay, five years. Maybe talk to me about some of the challenges that you didn't expect when you know when you said right i'm going out on my own things that came up that you learned massively from in the, in the early stages yeah i can do that you know, you know what it is i'm a, i'm a, i feel a bit of a pro a fraud when i say five years because i was a commercial director of a business for um i was i was there for 10 years and i felt like that was my learning ground and, and i felt like what i did was learned about business made a lot of mistakes understood the ups and the downs but i did it with someone else's money if you know what i mean yeah so it was a company of you know 20 30 strong um i, I was solely responsible for sales so i had 20 30 mortgages on my head if you like and but it still was owner managed and it still wasn't solely mine from a shareholding point of view so i just learned so much so much in that space so when i did leave and when i did go out alone i felt like i kind of had a really good grounding behind me. I think one of the things about going out on your own is it, it's it's cash flow, you know. The safety net of being paid every month, you know, I say this to my friends, you know, in April of this year, I know who's I know who's paying you. And they're like, 
yeah, yeah, it's my gaffer. Yeah, yeah. Well, in April, I don't know who's I don't know who's paying me. You know, and this is what as an entrepreneur, this is what we sit with, this, you know, constant looking at cash flow. And and even like like this month, for instance, I was just saying to my friends, I've I've took my eye off the ball really from a cash flow point of view, because what happens is you deliver, you look for work, you find it, you deliver like hell. And then you think, oh, my God, I'm not actually looking for any more work. And you get these little bell curves mm. where you're really high delivering and then your cash flow drops off and you start looking for leads again. You find more. The curve goes back up. And uh, you've got to really be mindful of like you're looking to the future for I'm in this project now. But when it finishes, what's coming at the other end? And then when am I going to invoice that? So I, I guess that's the main thing from an entrepreneur is to really look at the cash flow side of it. Mm. Okay, good, good in, insights on, on, on that. Um, I think I've heard the cash flow piece is the one that maybe people don't think of when they're jumping out. You know, that whole thing of following your passion uh, versus having kind of a, a sound financial head on your shoulders is probably um, something you need to, to balance. I, I read a book last year, I think, or two years ago now called So Good They Can't Ignore You. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I don't know. Um, I can't remember the author right now, but it it basically talked about um, following your passion and gave loads of examples of of people who were similar to you and and others burnt out, wanting then to jump out and become, you know, a yoga instructor or set up a coffee shop or, or you know really go after those things that they're passionate about. But again, six months in or a year in, they. It may be their passion, but it's not paying the bills, and they didn't really put that you know level of of thought into it. I suppose in your instance, you were going into a role or a world where you you did know a lot about, though I'd imagine, right? Yeah, I did. I mean, I I know the one key thing is that you only need to run out of money once, and the, and the business is gone. You know, um. So yeah, I I I was really mindful of that, and and I see it myself as well. I I, I know exactly what you're saying there about people going off and doing the passion but I think you've just got to cut your cloth accordingly so if you've if you've been in business and you have been paid every month and you're getting I don't know let's let's for argument's sake say you're getting two thousand pounds a month and you're paying your rent or your mortgage out of that and you're paying your car and your your tv your sky you know subscriptions and your mobile phone at the end of the day when when you go and work for yourself there's always things you can cut out you're not going to starve but maybe your lifestyle has to change. Maybe it's not a, a you know, a week or two in Spain. Maybe it's a, a, a camping trip. Maybe it's not the flash car on your drive. Maybe, you, you know, you suck it up and you, you have a, a smaller car or a second-hand car or you ride your bike around. Do what you can to follow your passion. And if that's what if that's what success is to you and then that's what you, you get your life out of, you know, you're not going to look back on your, at the end of your days, you're not going to, on your deathbed, you're not going to look back and go, man, I wish I'd had one or two more business meetings. You know? Yeah. Oh no. I, I pretty I'm pretty sure that would be would be the case that you're you're not. Um you talk about coaching, so I'm coaching, I've done the diploma in it, I do a good bit of that pro bono as well. What how would you talk about your own coaching approach, your coaching style or how has that developed? It's interesting about development because I think the the main thing you have to do is just listen a lot. You know, I'm sure you've you've had this in your coaching role, Rob, and you end up being like a therapist, don't you? You just listen, and and clients clients say, you know, this has been like a therapy session for me. And it's like that's that that's actually I feel like that is a compliment when someone says that because that means that means that I've listened and I've listened enough. I've been on the wrong side of of some business coaches and mentors, and it's all about them. 
here's what I've done. Here's the right way to do something. This is what you should be doing. Uh, just shut up and listen and just let them get it all off the chest. And then once we've got information, then we can kind of unpick it and find a way to unravel together. And I love, I love whiteboards. I don't know about you, Rob, but like I love getting a, a felt, you know, a felt tip in my hand, and we're just drawing things out together and and doing together. So I'm not a fan of preaching. I'm a fan of listening and then doing things together. Is that is that how you do yours? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, one of the things that always stood out for me when we were doing our coaching training was this kind of 90-10 rule. They said as a coach, mm. you should be listening 90% of the time and talking okay. 10%. Yeah. And I try to keep that in mind as much as I can. Obviously, when you're listening to somebody, you don't want to be keeping that too much in mind because you're not really listening. But if I find myself talking a lot, I know I'm probably mentoring as opposed to nearly coaching. And um, and it's really important to kind of step back and and as you go through and you do more of it you become more um, aware of, of that and I, I kind of like to say that at the start of a coaching engagement that this is the rules because you again probably know that a lot of times people come for coaching and they don't really know what it is um, and they, they expect to be maybe given answers and they they want to get advice in lots of ways and it's very important to, to clarify at the start like hey you're going to do a lot of the work here um and I'm going to hold you accountable in lots of ways, but I want to hear what you're talking about. And I totally agree with what you said about them talking and talking and, and like therapy, because it, it effectively the first session, I always find it, if it is. And they leave in a great mindset because they've had somebody listen to them for a long time without judgment, which is probably, you know, the first time in in, in that whole uh, long time as well. So yeah we we know it can be a lonely journey and especially the entrepreneurship world you know i was i was coaching the other week and i was i was with a um an, an md who had 10 members of staff and he'll talk to me differently than he'll talk to the members of staff you know he can't talk about something like the cash flow issue because then the other 10 members of staff start panicking if they're going to get paid next week or so you know it can be a lonely journey so basically what i'd like to say is look let's get it all on that table i can't help you if you don't tell me some of the things that are on your mind, because I'm going to make decisions or I'm going to help you make decisions on things that are true. So you've got to be true with us and just act humble and, and with integrity, you know, and obviously have that confident confidentiality thing as well is huge, you know? Yeah, totally. Do you, do you have a coach that coaches you and how do you actually, you know, play that, that role yourself to, to help grow and develop? It's it's really interesting, and I'm toying with this at the moment. For, I've always had a mentor, but not for the last few years, and I've always enjoyed it. And I think one word that you used earlier on there was accountability. Now that was the reason why I, why I had a mentor um, to become accountable. What but what I've realised in this last few years is that I'm really becoming accountable to myself, and and I, I kind of punish myself a little bit. I'm really tough, and I really set some hard goals and, 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 and targets. So I'm not sure that I, that I need that coaching at the moment, but what I do have is a bank of really good friends and associates. So for instance, um, let's just say a speaking point of view. So I'm speaking to you now. I'm a member of the professional speakers association. If I, if I want to do a talk or if I need to bounce something off, I can stand up there. I can give a 10 or 50 minute talk and then they can critique me and tell me change this, do this Ian. So I think having that, you know, bank of friends has been really good, but I don't have like a kind of one sole coach or mentor. Hmm. Yeah, 
it, it's kind of like a mastermind group or a, a group of folks that you can bounce things off and they have it's like a quid pro quo environment i suppose 100 percent. yeah i'm actually going to do a, a podcast in the next week or two with a, with a bunch of friends because just like this rob you're talking through stuff and you end up finding some really gold nuggets and mm-hmm. the amount of times i'm sure you've had this in your coaching position the amount of times you've had a conversation with somebody and thought wow that was really good. I'd love to have shared that. So uh, I just said to some friends of the week, let's set the microphones out. Let's go to a pub. Let's test some real ales and let's just chew the fat about some topics and uh, and see what happens. Yeah, <laughs> sounds, sounds like a plan. All right. Uh, as long as it doesn't go on to like five hours and uh, the real ales become whiskey and things like that. Um, uh, Long, longest podcast ever oh god there was a world record in there somewhere i'd say um <laughs> one of the things i'm fascinated about because it something i, I face uh, regularly is kind of this idea of facing your fears and, and approaches of how how you are aware of them and how you overcome them what comes up when i ask you about fear and maybe any examples that you've uh, addressed in the, in the in the recent term it's it's a funny one. You know, fear, I had this real strange relationship with fear because nothing much scares me anymore. I just feel like I can literally do anything. And I was talking to a friend of mine about this. We, we sat down, we said, like, let's think of something we can't do. We, we couldn't do it. We both were just like, <laughs> we can do anything. We can literally do anything we want. And, and I know when you have that mindset, though, I mean, I know, obviously, I can't just say, right, I'm going to make a billion dollars or something, you know, but... I feel there's nothing holds you back. You just have to go for it now. And when I look back at some of my, my early careers and you talk about fear, what immediately sprang to me was things like going to China on my own, you know, flying over to China, bouncing around there on a few internal flights, having business meetings or having business meetings in the Middle East with some, you know, real high profile people. I guess there was a bit fear in there. And I think now I've done those things, there's not much that will freak me out if you know what i mean and you know i think we've got a few battle scars and you know being a coach i think you need those and i've I've gone through some personal struggles and family struggles and i think you need them battle scars to be able to talk to people from a coaching point of view it's it's like this 22 year old life coach scenario i often talk about it doesn't exist you cannot be a 22 year old life coach yeah so you know we've got a few gray hairs rob and, and and you need that in in that role so you know, by the time you get to, to this far down the line, I feel like I've had enough fear and I'm, I'm not going to let it bother us. Yeah, yeah. And it can help drive you on, I suppose, in some ways. You can turn it into excitement and there's that whole kind of balance there. Um, yeah, I, 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 again, I get it from the 22-year-old life coach for or, or, or become a life coach in three weeks sort of, you know, intensive yeah. program that you can do, um, which I see on on facebook and other um social media mm-hmm. sites which which again i don't take offense to it but i tell like that's kind of crazy um but i suppose you know some people buy buy into it uh the battle scars are definitely needed um i'm always interested in this one i, I see a lot of people that declare themselves as executive coaches or business coaches and whatnot that but but haven't ever actually worked in the business world or or you know maybe they're coming from a sporting background or, or whatever uh, i'll stop talking now and let you answer because i've kind of set the, the thing alight there perhaps 
You, no, you, you did. I, I see it all the time, man. You know, it's like, like buy my program. You mentioned Facebook, right? Buy my business program, 10x your business with this proven, you know, program to help you take your business forward and scale it up and hustle, et cetera, et cetera. They're making money or telling people how to make money, but they've never actually made money. They've never actually made money with the business. Their business is to tell people what to do. And the thing is, once you've bought that program for $250 and you read through it, you think that was naff. It's too late. You've spent the money. So I, I, see, I see a lot of that. There's a lot of that. But I mean, you, you talk about fear and, and I think I'm going to talk a little bit about imposter syndrome here. Because now if I was to do that, if I was to tell you that I can, you know, 10x your business overnight and this kind of stuff, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable in that because I don't know that. And I, I do get imposter syndrome. I think I'd be mad not to. I think I'd be I'd be a zombie or a liar if I said I didn't get nerves. You know, I'm, if I need to stand up in front of hundreds of people, of course I'm nervous. It's a human emotion. It, it's it's like what you said. If you can flip it into excitement, you know, I, I can't help how I um, feel, but I can I can control how I react to something. You know, so yes, I'm I'm going to get that bit of imposter syndrome. But I'm, what I'm not going to do is call myself an expert in something that is that, that term scares me so much. If I'm going to do a talk and someone introduces me as an expert on social media, I'm like, oh, no, because I, I'd never I'd never, ever call myself an expert in anything, even when I'm on my deathbed and I've, I've done 50 years in a particular subject, because there's always stuff to learn. So when you when you see when you see these people who never run businesses, it's they're just imposters at the end of the day, like, sorry. Yeah, no no hey look for being open and uh it, like again i i do a lot of meditation and and mindfulness and it's certainly helped me with when i'm on social media not to react or to say Fuck, this thing is you know this person is what are they talking about i kind of catch myself before i get into a, a, a an angry state um but you just see it and um it's always interesting to hear perspectives on it i'm just looking on your website sorry you were going to say this? I was just going to say, do you, but do you not think that there's many other people that, that think that way? You know, you said something on Facebook there, like you see these people um, talking about being life coach and that. I mean, there must be loads of people who must look at that and go, oh, really? Oh, no, I would say, like, <laughs> I would say they, they go absolutely like crazy to say you're not, you know, but as in, but they're probably internalizing that. What I've, what I've found beneficial i think i posted about it i did a blog or a video about it but our relationship with social media and how it makes us feel we could totally control but you would hear an awful lot of people saying oh this person or that person are really pissing me off because they're talking about being a life coach or whatever and and i get that but i think the sooner we kind of are, are say look they're putting them out whatever they're putting out it shouldn't uh, you know make me have a bad day and, and that sort yeah, of thing exactly. <clears throat> and i think that's the key yeah. thing you have to kind of flip a little bit and that's where the the real coaching would come in handy um to, to kind of help people through through being aware of that but but it's easier said than done like you know it's just that stimulus and response you see the thing you respond to it too quickly i guess through meditation and just being a bit more present and not letting it bother you you can choose not to uh to, to you know go a bit crazy on it and start uh kind of ro road rage or twitter twitter rage in response um i'm looking yeah, through your you, sorry go on oh, sorry. no just one quick one quick little thing on that one um, i mentioned before about you can't help the way you feel but you can help how you react quick story on this one i remember talking to a priest 
and he was talking to me and uh, I was, yeah, I think he was giving his confession at the time. We're going to get deep here. And I was just sort of saying like, you know, I've got these feelings and this and that. And he said, look, you can't help your feelings. You could just help how I react. And he said, like, I've, I've, I've got to talk to people in my parish and I know some of them might be bad people. But, and, but you know, and I'd want to kind of react, but, but I can't. And I can't help those feelings because they're just human emotions that come into your brain. And it, but it's just how you deal with them. And it's just how you react. So you, you think, you know, these holy priests and they, they, they mustn't feel that way of course you do you're just a human being you yeah. can't help it yeah no ab- absolutely the, the primary emotions they're they're there yeah we can't yeah. they're there for a reason so you know absolutely looking at your website and just scroll down through some of the episodes i'm, I'm interested in in one that you've done a solo show on around career mapping and goal setting i don't want to put you on the spot to kind of talk into huge detail on it but what is your approach to, to goal setting you, that, well, you're not, you're not going to put us on the spot, but you're going to put us on the <laughs> Just spot. Just at a high level. I don't, I don't want a, you know, a 40-minute interview on it. but uh... <laughs> you know, Rob, that's a bit like saying, no offence, but, and then offending us after. <laughs> yeah, I know. Wouldn't do that to you. <laughs> um, goal setting, yeah. I'm going to take this, I'm going to take, I'm going to answer this by talking about this podcast, actually, because what I, re- what I realised was that I hadn't done enough. I sit and had this epiphany and I was just thinking if someone, if you, if you went in the room and someone had to describe who you were, how would they describe you, that person? So they might say, oh, Ian, yeah, he's a nice guy. He does this, that, and the other. But I thought like, what, what do I actually want to do? So they might say, now they might say, okay, that's that guy who volunteers and he's going to write a book on that. Or that's that podcast who did this, that, and the other. I wanted to actually have something to talk about, to actually do something. So then I thought, well, you know, when I, when I talk about this episode, this is what I wanted to try to inspire people to do was just to do more. Don't get to that point in life where you look back and think, God, I've just done absolutely nothing. I've just worked for the man for 40 years and I haven't accomplished anything. Well, it's in our power to accomplish something. You can do anything. Just like I was saying before, there's nothing you can't do. So that was it for me. It was like, you can map your own career. If you're not happy with it, it's in the, it's in your power to control it. You know, if you want to move, you move. And I sit with some friends, we have a beer on a Saturday night and all I hear is about, you know, the business that they're in, they don't like it or the, or the boss, the work, then just change, just change. But what, what, what what's the worst that's going to happen? So that, that kind of podcast was more so about just encouraging people to get some stuff done, do more, create a bucket list, write it down and just go for it. There's no time like the present. We do not know where we're going to be next year, if at all, be here. So let's just get it done. Mm-hmm. Yep, get the uh, inertia moving uh, and, and, and go forward. About podcasting, so how did you begin your podcasting journey? What what was the, the spark and where did it all come from? Uh, you know, you mentioned a few times about, about reading books and I've just went, nope, 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 sorry, mate, don't have that one. And it's because I just don't have time and that's not my chosen medium anymore. I listen to a lot of podcasts and before I found podcasts and I listen to a lot of audio books. Mm-hmm. But interestingly enough, I, I love books and I, and I did have a massive um, relationship with books. I mean, for instance, I gave myself a target of reading the top 100 books. I think it was the BBC's uh, chart. And uh, again, another little crazy target I set myself. I thought, you can't be an authority on books or literature if you haven't actually read them. So that was one thing I did. So I, I smashed through Moby Dick, which is quite a big doorstop. Um, you know, I, 
<laughs> I pushed through all the classics, you know, Wuthering Heights and Emily okay. Bronte. Like, that was painful. Right. But then I thought, you know, I can't actually get to reading all of these. I'm going to have to start listening to some. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I found audiobooks. And I, I, I just was traveling up and down the country or, or, or on planes, just, you know, just consuming books as quick as I could mm-hmm. to get to get through the list. And then I thought, you know, I'm not really interested in Wuthering Heights. I want to listen about, I don't know, Sunderland Football Club for my sins. Or I want to listen about conspiracy theories or hidden bases in America, you know. So... Um, when internet radio came out, I listened to a lot of um, US radio stations, and then they were there creating podcasts after that. So I just started creating podcasts, listened to a lot of them, got a bit disillusioned with the business ones because they came a bit, they were a bit samey, you know. And and then I thought, you know, what it is. If I'm 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 a big mouth here, I'm complaining how they're so samey, but then just you know, put your put your money where your mouth is and just create your own. So that, that's really where the journey started, and I. And it was the same time that I sort of started off on my own entrepreneurial journey as well. So it was a bit like accountability and I wanted to sort of document my journey as well. Very, very interesting. Yeah, I think uh, it resonates with me. Uh, podcasting, I suppose, I don't know when, about six, seven, eight years ago, maybe when I started listening to them. And mm-hmm. when I was exercising, I used to be sick listening to music um, and I loved yeah. learning. So it was combining the two together and it, it was just the best feeling ever to be running a 5k and then you know listening to an episode of stuff you should know or or whatever because i was actually taking something in that um distracted me as well as helped me me learn and then having that kind of mobile university with you in your phone uh of of learning is just so so rewarding um audible actually just as an aside it would be similar I, I actually i've gone back to reading a lot of physical books over the last 18 months or so i was a year or two using audible and then i don't know whether it was i just overdosed on it or found it just that although it was interesting i still found myself having to maybe sit down when i was listening to it and maybe take notes and, and take kind of key nuggets out or I, or, or I might forget them um so I've kind of I still listen to a lot of podcasts, but maybe do more physical reading uh, of books. Might have been as well the last audible book I listened to was Benjamin Franklin's biography, which was twenty four hours long. So I think that nearly killed me. <laughs> it was pretty. You, have, have you come across Blinkist, where it sort of yes. condenses the books and yeah. tells you the best bits and pieces? Okay, yeah. yeah, I haven't used it, but I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I totally, I totally get what you're saying there about wanting to make notes and stuff. But one thing I want to ask you there, you, you asked me about podcasting, but offline we mentioned that it, you were planning it for six months. So what did that plan look like, Rob? Yeah, so so basically I had I got it into my mind about a year before I actually launched to say this is something I, I really want to do. I love consuming it. I want to try and maybe flip it and produce it. And I, through my own background in my career of project management and and work here in cork with kind of different organizations i knew a few good business leaders that i thought right they'd be interesting guys to just record an episode and talk to them about their their life story how they got to where they got to um and i was it was in my mind for a while and i was procrastinating and i remember one day i said like you're just gonna have to do this so i I went out and bought um and i an apple what is a macbook air so i spent like two grand or something on that and some initial kit and i said now i've i know for me to actually really commit to something i spend money on it and then say right i'm gonna start moving as soon as i did that 
I started to plan things out. So being a planner with a project management background, I figured out just the things I needed to do to a certain point. So I was probably much more planful from that perspective rather than just recording something and, and throw it out there. It's just in my nature. <laughs> I don't know. It's good in some ways and bad in others. Um, and over the next few months, I think I had set, I said, right, realistically, it'll take me three months. I wanted to record maybe 10 episodes before I launched so that I had a bit of a backlog and I just had to get the equipment right and, you know, get the website up. And there was so many things that I was kind of creating a, a list of tasks that needed to be done and then started to space them out because I was only really able to do this in the evenings or, or at weekends um, outside of the day job. So rather than rushing it, I kind of planned it all out and uh, did my planning and my my execution and testing and then um, having all the episodes, like editing episodes. I remember the first couple of episodes I, I interviewed guys for two hours long. It must have <laughs> took me 10 hours to edit them. And then I was even playing, I'm using Audacity still for editing and I was... Oh, I was just exporting at different f speeds and it, the, the sound quality was, I was just learning so much. Um, yeah. But never, none of it was ever unsurmountable, which was key because the, the only comparison I would have here is when I was in college and when I was early career, I might have been working in software development and stuff like that. And the way my brain works just can't figure that stuff out. And I was banging my head against a brick wall, never really going anywhere. Whereas with this, ironically enough everything was moving in one percent increments towards the goal all, all the time so so that was uh why i was kind of getting more and more motivated to do it i, I joke as well the first time i ever did a, an intro to an episode when i was sitting at home one night um recording on a new microphone i got and i listened to it back and i was just ashamed of myself embarrassed <laughs> listening to my voice and um but then got over it and you don't hear that stuff anymore um so yeah. it, was, it was a process i, I figured the imposter syndrome was raging like crazy loud with me before i launched and it took me that length of time to kind of make sure i had something good enough here to to get out the door so so that that was kind of it at a, at a high level there was a plan put in place and i tried to to follow the steps sequentially to it and knowing that it was all down on my shoulders i knew i'd get through it rather than maybe having to rely on others sometimes which would have made it a bit more difficult you know it's it's interesting what you say about listening to your own voice because I'm sure you've got listeners there who want to do more social media content. They might want to do some video, but they just don't feel that they've got you know the the, the steel to do it. And you just have to get it done, don't you? you? Know after a while you get used to your own voice, you get used to how you look. It's just like anything that just gets easier over time. Oh, totally. And, and the video, like the voice piece, was I, I guess the way I was doing it was in increments. So the voice thing and getting a podcast out. At that time, I was not doing any video stuff and I just, that was a bridge too far. So I kind of got comfortable with this stage and then started to put out one minute videos. And now, yeah, like that, I, I'm looking at them and not looking at my face anymore. I'm, I'm actually looking and just listening to make sure it flows and whatnot. So you just get, you get over yourself in lots of ways, you know, as long as <laughs> the, uh, my, my core kind of, um, view is, is as long as i feel there's something of benefit to a listener in it then i'll do it i'll put it out it's never it's never about me it's never about just look at the content i'm creating anyone can throw out lots of content all the time but even if there's one or two little bits of nuggets of information out of it that they can take on board that's 
that's my kind of mantra um or i won't do it there's been a couple of episodes where i did and over like, thankfully only one or two that just haven't i don't think we're good enough to share and it was my fault or maybe the guest's fault or whatever but um most most of the time i think it takes a box and there's something of value in it so um so yeah yeah i think that's your opinion as well you know i sometimes beat myself up as well i come off of the guest and i think that wasn't very good but then you'll still put it out and then you get feedback from it so yeah. you know surprising isn't it maybe i'll put those ones up on uh, patreon and people can pay loads of money to to listen to those kind of lost episodes um, <laughs> i think i'm gonna say this one <laughs> no 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 this one is definitely i think going pretty good so so far the i guess the, the podcasting journey you've learned a lot from what, what are the kind of standout maybe a standout guest is there any one that jumps out that you took a lot from that you say wow that was a really um crossing crossing the void or you know cross a bridge over that you said i've actually really got the knack of this now um i think that there's a couple of things here there's there's one guest that really resonates with me and we'll get on very well and he's his way of thinking is so aligned to me from a marketing point of view and that's ted rubin he's over in the states he's, he's a lovely guy we'll get on very well uh, although he doesn't get my british sarcasm and um I think in terms of, you know, crossing that chasm or really thinking that you kind of made some headway, it was when I started doing the live episodes. So what we do now is when, when I say live, yes, we go live. We go live over Facebook, Twitter and YouTube at the same time. But we also record in front of an audience. And that really upped the ante for me, you know, speaking to a, speaking to a guest, looking at the audience and then knowing that you were live streaming and it was going to go out as a podcast the next week. That was, you know, that in terms of fear, <laughs> that was really pushing the envelope. But I've got over a few of them and, uh, you know, I, f I feel like now it's fine. I, I don't feel, I feel a little bit phased, but, you know, not as much as I would in the early days. Yeah, very true. I did one live last year. It was kind of an impromptu live with, uh, I was given a talk and then I had my kid and I was going to interview the, the one of the lecturers afterwards and we just said will we just do it live in front of the 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 audience that were in the the classroom i suppose at the time and uh it was great it was really enjoyable um you can really just you're on you, you know you're on you have to be on you know it uh it, it there's no retakes of it here even though it wasn't streaming live it was still recorded in front of people live and you just don't want to kind of you know have to re-ask questions but that's the that's the plan for this year maybe a little bit more of that um and yeah hopefully hopefully see where, where that one that one goes over over the next while you mentioned back in the day when you had the stresses and you know the burnouts how, how do you now deal with with stress and how do you kind of balance things it's something that I'm really mindful of. I think I'm one of those people where I do, I, I need to be able to say no a bit more. I, I just say yes to everything and I do put a lot on my plate and I, I'm always wanting to start new things and I'm, I'm real, I'm a real starter. I get dead excited about the next project. So what comes with that is, is stress because then I seem to keep lumping it on, lumping it on. But the main thing for me is um, sport, is training. If I don't run or ride or swim, I just literally go stir crazy. It's like I've just got so much building up in my mind that I just need to get out there and, and, and just run, which then files it off in its relevant place. I think about things. I, you know, It's like a little bit of therapy for me, to be honest. So that's how I really deal with, with, with the stresses and strains of, of work life. Mm. Do you set goals for yourself in, in the kind of exercise world to 
as well or are they kind of unstructured type things pretty unstructured i'm a bit of a lick my shoulder sport <laughs> that me i think i've never really excelled in anything in sport but i can run ride swim lift kick punch everything you know i, I can do pretty much every sport that i've tried but you know i've never like i say excelled in it i just enjoy activity i enjoy sport i enjoy being around people the team bit of it i love so I, you know I'm, I'm getting a bit older now as well so I'm st- I still can make a little bit, little bit of incremental kind of goals, you know. Um, but I'm not going to set the world alight. I'm just quite happy doing the do, if you know what I mean. Mm. Yeah. No. No. Absolutely. I think uh, I'm only asking because it's probably similar to myself. I, I do like setting targets of I'm, you know, running a marathon last year or doing a, an adventurous this year. It does help me force me sometimes to actually get out and get that extra run in or whatever when I don't have those. Um, even though I, I kind of need to run as a, as a type 1 diabetic, it's kind of key to, to exercise a lot, so it kind of uh, gives me no option, and sometimes having no choice is, is good as well. It makes it very straightforward. Um, yeah, you, you, you're dead right. I mean, I did, a, I did a half marathon last year, gone there, and as you say, as soon as you put your name down, you know you've got to do it. So I, I see what you're saying, and, and I put my name down for a, a boxing fight in six weeks' time. Now I know I've got to train every other day, or every day at least, to, to be able to do that so I guess that's the goal but what I'm getting is if I do a half marathon I know I'm not going to start running at 140 like I used to you know it's going to be a bit slower than than that yeah I think I saw something on Twitter of, of one of your hands shaking were you practicing last night or something <laughs> in boxing yeah yesterday I'm, I'm, I just had involuntary shakes in my hands so uh but it's just it's just good fun as you say you, you it's just doing something different you know and getting out of the normal routine when when i've trained weights or when i've run your body still reacts the same and it doesn't change as soon as you change the sport up it just seems to shift the body of gear and you just, you just have to your body has to respond so i like just trying different things you know very cool yeah i um, would agree at 2019 now 2018 i took up bikram yoga last year the hot yoga awesome. And yeah. uh, that was new for me. I've done yoga in the past, but this was quite uh, intense. Um, and it, it is amazing from the the hardest part of it is just not even the heat. For me, it's the mental challenge that you're just doing acrobatics in your brain of saying like this is all the kind of negative stuff in the world is coming in on you for the first whatever half hour or more. And then it starts to kind of diminish. But uh, definitely agree with you. I'm agreeing with you a lot today, so I don't want to make it too agreeable all the time, but um, I can't <laughs> help it. Uh, one of the things I've reflected on recently is um, for me to have a good day, I tend to try and do three things in the morning before I actually go to work, because when it gets to work, you, you don't know if it's guaranteed to be a good day or not. Um, and there, there may be a combination of just reading for half an hour or um, or writing or or maybe doing a little bit of stretching or meditation or whatever and i actually think even if i just did one of those it would put me in a a good mindset um the night before if i said right first thing i'm going to do tomorrow morning something I actually enjoy set me off on a good trajectory for the day is there is there anything coming up for you there like that how do you how do you can try to give yourself the best chance of having a good day that's a really, really. I'm really glad you've rose that because I did a little video on this, um, which I which I posted on LinkedIn a, a few months ago, from a culture point of view, and what I was encouraging business leaders, team leaders, managers to do was to maybe do a rota of your staff 
and give your staff half an hour extra just one day of that week just to do something that would start their day off really well, whether that be taking your daughter to school, which I love to do. That's something that I really enjoy and it's something that I strive to be able to do. Um, or whether that be, you know, reading the paper, reading a chapter of a book, going to see uh, your parents if you haven't seen them for a while and having a cup of tea with them, whatever it may be, something that will start their day off well. I think that's so important. So I'm really glad you've rose that. But yeah, for me, if I can train in the morning, if I can do some sort of training, I'm absolutely buzzing to, to kick on afterwards. But just taking the time out to take Jess to school is something that I really, I'm really mindful that she's not going to want to be around me like my son's 15 now you know he he does himself he takes himself to school but i'm really mindful of like time because i know she's going to be really independent shortly and won't want her dad there so i'm just like trying to do as much as i can with her now when she wants her dad around so things like that is good for me okay very cool so this week i did a one minute monday and it was um a video that i do on linkedin to kind of call out this week's topic was asking viewers listeners for some questions that uh I can use in season three of the podcast and, and just get some in. So I've got a few, right? So I'm going to ask you maybe one or two here just from from folks that uh, contribute. Is that okay? Go for it. Yeah, put me on the spot again. Let's have it. Sure. Well, look, there's no scripting here. Um, what, <laughs> the, the one that's coming up here I'm reading, what question do you not like being asked and why? <laughs> I, think just, I think he just asked, is it? That question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what question... Is or, or maybe even flip it. Is, is there any question you would like to be asked but never get asked? I guess it's about the best piece of advice you've ever had. I I often get asked that one, and I and I can't help but but I mentioned it already today about mentioning my my dad and uh, and some because I think it's so important that you you can take values and experience from somebody outside of the business world and. I'll digress a little bit. My podcast is called the Diverse Business Podcast, and I know you you like that term as well. Over 115 episodes now, and what I try—I mean, I had a—I've had a bodybuilder on recently, mm. a rapper, an adventurer, because I think in every walk of life, there's something to learn. So if, even though you think it's diverse, there's always something to learn from somebody else. So if I had to give somebody a bit of advice for me, it would be to keep an open mind and not just decide that that person's not for you. Like give them the time. Mm-hmm. Cool. No, that's that's a good one. I, I like that. I'll ask one other one. What's the most important lesson you've ever learned? Oh, so for me, it's the things that people say and the things that people do are both very different. And you've learned. You want us that. to elaborate on that? <laughs> Maybe a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess in business a few times I've worked for a few um, leaders that haven't really been truthful with what their what their personal goals were. So, you know, my career progression has been stalled on behalf of somebody else's. So they promised me that this would happen, that would happen, and actually it didn't come to fruition. And when I look back, I've had a few instances where I think people have took advantage of my kind of nice nature maybe. So I'm always mindful of, you know, just being aware of that okay very very good um look we'll wrap it up with maybe one or two just other quick ones i know we talked about books and i always again like to ask folks what what book be it audible or, or physical that you might recommend is there anyone that comes up that you've took the most learnings from or, or that change your view on something 
it's a question I often get asked, and I, I could list books. I could talk about, you know, um, how to win friends and influence people, which is a, is a classic. And I could talk about some of the more modern ones like Brené Brown's leadership book. But I quite often like to take it back to books that I enjoy reading that, I, that I'm not trying to learn from, just that I enjoy. And, and, and one that I always enjoyed was a book um, by Jack Kerouac called On the Road. And um, I love travel. And, and Jack travels across America in the in the in the beat generation, and I love that. And I also love the book called Shantaram, because I've got quite a, an affiliation and a passion of visiting India. So there was a lot about traveling around India. So I love travel books because I just get lost in them. Very cool. Yeah, some good ones. Some good ones there. I'll end with a cheesy enough one, but um, dinner guests, dead or alive, you could pick two. Um, I, I normally like to say maybe not somebody that you you know in your close family but but I'll, I'll leave it up to you and, and any reasons why you picked these two oh uh, it's got I, I don't even have to mess about here Jim Morrison Kurt Cobain well tells a lot of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> of, the, of the, the musical influences there 100% yeah I, I love Nirvana I, Nirvana Unplugged was an amazing album for me I learned all them songs on guitar and with Jim Morrison, I love poetry as well, and, I, and Jim wrote a lot, a lot of poetry, and um, quite dark, quite odd poetry, but it's, I'm very aligned with the way we write as well, so those two for sure. Very good. We never talked about Sunderland FC at all either. We've kind of had that as a question. What's the future for Sunderland? Well, it's interesting because uh, you guys over there have a bit of an affiliation with us. You know, we've, yeah. we've, had, we've had lots of ties with Ireland and, and players and um, you know John O'Shea and and, and uh, we had um, the Drummerville Consortium with Niall Quinn. A lot of a lot of fans would come over from your side yeah. for the games and stuff. Sure, and Roy obviously managing there for a while, wasn't he? And there's a lot of Irish connections. There was indeed, and Roy Roy was certainly was a character. Yeah, and there's a, there's a lot of stories about Roy. He didn't mess about, did he? But in in terms of the club at the moment, I think we're back in good hands. We've we've, we've took out our our billionaire oil owner uh, last year and we've, we've got a we've got a, an, another couple of owners that have came in who are real football men and really get the passion and, and get the get the city you know the the, the drinking in the bars that they're coming on podcasts that they're talking where you see some of these billionaire owners and it's trapped like a bit of a business and you never really hear from them so it's really good and, re- and really uh, refreshing that our new owners now are, are willing to to get stuck in and, and listen and have a voice so yeah, good times. It's going. It's going well. Good stuff. I'll be keeping my eye on their their uh, upward trajectory in the table <clears throat> over the next few months. I'm an Arsenal fan, so we probably won't talk about ah. that. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you one thing before we finish off. Last time I was over Cork, I didn't realise how massive a hurling is. Is it hurling? Yeah, huge. Yeah. Wow. Have you watched? Have you watched it? We were over there a few years ago and there was some final on and there was a stadium which was just packed to the rafters over in Cork. I mean, like tens of thousands. It was just crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just rebuilt that stadium now and I think it's 50,000 or so because Ed Sheeran played over here last year or last year for three gigs in the stadium. It was probably just opening at the time, but but hurling and Gaelic football, massive. But primarily hurling in Cork is more popular than the Gaelic football. And the soccer team in Cork are pretty, pretty successful over the last few years as well they've won the league and cup and they've been in europe and uh it's a great city uh it's nice and you know very easy to get around but sport is very much running through its veins yeah. for sure and those are men 
Rob, those hurling well, guys are mad. That's a crazy, like, I've never played it, so I don't, it tells you a lot about me, um, but it uh, it's like a game of men running around with axes, effectively, yep. you know. Uh, yeah, if you're in the States or you listen further field, just Google hurling and uh, you'll see it. Yeah, yeah, very good. Ian, look, thanks a million for taking the time out. I'm delighted we could do this. I know we talked a few times over the last six months or so. It's come to this and it's great to, to get your insights um, definitely a lot of similarities in our views of the world and, and what we're doing and hopefully folks in, enjoy listening and I'll if you want to call out just how folks can listen to your podcast and get your website and you know engage with you if there's any business opportunities please go ahead and do that yeah thanks very much Rob so essentially it's just industryangel.com and all my social links are on there I'm really heavily user of uh, Twitter which is just Ian underscore Farah. You'll find me if you just do a little bit of Googling. But um, Rob, I, re- I really appreciate your time and I'm, I'm going to push that out as an episode on my podcast as well. So why don't you do the same, Rob? Where can we find you? Absolutely. Um, so my name is Rob O'Donoghue, but the, the handle I use for all this good stuff is Rob of the Green uh, on Twitter, at Rob of the Green. And all of the things, thankfully, at Rob of the Green wasn't uh, taken before. Um, there's a story behind Rob of the Green, but you can read that on the on the website as to where that came from um and and rob at rob of the green dot ie or dot com if you want to email me i'd be happy to uh, respond if you have any suggestions or feedback or questions I'm, I'm always open to that helps me improve for sure as well awesome and i love the way you've just pointed people to go to your website and listen to the story behind that now you're going to get thousands of hits to the website oh, i'm intrigued it's going to break intrigued. it the internet is coming down Um, brilliant Ian look thanks so much yeah cheers Rob I really enjoyed it thanks for your time good man have a great day and you man good luck hey guys just before you go I'd love to hear from you if anything specific stood out from that episode something you might take away and try and implement in your own personal or professional life to help make you that little bit better on the other side is there anything you think i could do better to make the show even more enjoyable more impactful and maybe meaningful so drop me a note rob at rob of the or connect in on any of the social platforms at rob of the green we also have a community on facebook check that out if you're really enjoying the show maybe you could try and leave a rating or a review on itunes apple podcasts app go in there give us a rating let us know how we're doing that'll help with the ranking of the podcast up those charts the more folks that potentially see it because we're high up the better the more that might listen that never heard of it before and the goal of the show is to try and reach more and more people and have that impact more and more so that's down to you please do help me with that i'm not going down the route of hiring podcast promoters quote unquote from other parts of the world because they say they can help with the ranking and I don't really believe them or it's not very authentic. Help me do it in an authentic way. I'd really appreciate it. This year, I'm going more all in on Patreon. So it's three bucks a month. You can sign up, subscribe to Rob of the Green on Patreon.com. That will give you access to Patreon-only content. Nearly all the episodes of the 864 podcast are on there and new ones will be added only there. The 1% Better Show will have early releases there, but will still come out for free on robofthegreen.ie. There'll also be live shows this year, some phone-in shows, extra content, three euros a month. Will hopefully, the more folks that subscribe, allow me to do more and more stuff on there, add more and more content. At the end of the day, that's the price of a pair of socks, maybe, that you might lose, or a coffee. One way or the other, it's up to you. If you want to join, you'll 
still get free stuff otherwise but if you're enjoying what we're doing help us grow help us expand it i'd really appreciate that adding new stuff onto the website all the time there's an affiliates page under the be better drop down check in there there's training courses that you can sign up to more and more stuff will come in over time into season three now of this fun fun journey huge learning hopefully you're getting something from it too stick with it let's keep going enjoy the journey even more have a great day week weekend and thanks for checking it out good luck